Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Hi, folks. Welcome to the Tennis Podcast. It's not relived. It's not... Uh, an oral history. It's not Chris Evert week anymore, unfortunately, although I did very much enjoy uh, Chris Evert week. It's it's a tennis podcast with actual sort of tennis-based news and talking points in it, which is a very exciting uh, alien prospect. Don't adjust your whatever device you're listening to us on. Uh, This is reality. We're going to be talking about the prospect of actual live official sanctioned tennis at some point in the not too distant future. Uh, myself, Catherine Whitaker, David Law is in the house. Hello. <laughs> I know you're not used to doing it this way around, David, but usually you say something a, a, a bit more than. Oh, do I? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right then. Um, I'll say that. Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a turn up, isn't it? To I, 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 did you think we were done for the year? When we were about oh, there six was, weeks ago, yeah, six weeks ago, yeah, I've I've obviously been been ad- adjusting my expectations and thoughts and and hopes etc. Sort of at every every turn along the way, but oh yeah, absolutely, there was a long time when I I was pretty certain that we were done for the year. What about you, Matt? Absolutely, yes, me too. Suddenly, the future is a thing again, and. <laughs> And, and we're talking about it rather than the past. I miss the past. <laughs> I just, I just come to really enjoy the past. Yeah, the past is a very safe, certain ground, and suddenly all the uncertainty and rumor is back, and we're not quite sure where we're heading again. Don't worry, well, we've still got fourteen shows worth of the past <laughs> guaranteed I mean, from Wimbledon. As things stand at the moment, and barring, barring. Uh, cataclysmic style events obviously which we've come to expect in life we are going to be recording five grand slams worth of daily podcasts in the year 2020 (laughs) which makes me one makes me what you know all these conspiracy theories about 5g and stuff was the coronavirus some sort of david law manufactured event (laughs) in order to find a way for us to produce 
more podcasts in the year 2020. David has the biggest grin on his face right now. <laughs> it's definitely the silver lining that I can find. Uh, I mean, we're doing five slams worth. Yeah, we are. And um, uh, that's we should the plan probably anyway. explain probably explain why. Let's cut to yeah. the chase of the news because we've actually got live actual tennis news to to hit you with. Yeah, today. Today, well, actually, it was more yesterday, wasn't it? Because the US Open had had well, it's promised... been kind of. I mean, it's been a not brilliantly kept secret, right? It was mm. it was leaked to the New York Times. It's been it's been all but confirmed for for a few days, right? Yeah, it was clearly coming that uh, the decision had been made, and it, frankly, even if you go back to late last week, that and the, there were all the plans being talked about by the New York Times, and John Wertheim has been writing the story as well for Sports Illustrated, and then we did a we did a conference call with Feliciano Lopez with. Uh, a dozen of the British journalists, because this is, of course, Fever Tree Championships week, it should have been, uh, at the Queen's Club, where Lopez won both singles and doubles titles last year. So he was talking to them a little bit about that. But he also really gave chapter and verse about the player meeting that they had last week, the ATP, a Zoom call. Now, we're all, we've all suddenly discovered what Zoom is over the last three months, uh, this video conferencing Slash technology. Slash over the last three days for David Law. Yeah, I've done a lot of these. Um but on this particular ATP player meeting one, they had 400 players on. And this was the USTA and the the tours telling the players what the plan was to try to make the US Open playable. This is on the ATP side only, right? Yes. On the men's side yeah. only, yeah. Uh, and it turns out none of Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal or Roger Federer were on this call. But anyway, they had 400 people on it. And... Lopez gave us chapter and verse on on this uh, this media conference about what was said and the lengths that they were going to go to, and also that he was assured he was absolutely sure that that it was going to go ahead. The U.S. Open is going to happen. He said. He also said it should happen. In my view, it's time for tennis to get rolling because. Bear in mind, he's not just a tennis player these days. He's a tournament director. He is going to be fronting one of the events that will take place in the remaining months of the tennis calendar that's madrid he's the tournament director there but he had a pretty stark message for the players in that call that we are going to have to accept less prize money we're going to have to get used to that we're going to have to basically stop being so precious is what he was saying and understand be realistic about the year we're in the climate we're in the situation we're in and if we want a going concern of a sport to play for for the future, we need to do something about it because otherwise the whole system is under threat. The ATP, the WTA, the slams even. And that's that's what this is all about primarily for the United States Tennis Association. They do not have pandemic insurance to cover them the way that Wimbledon do. And they also have, according to the New York Times, $70 million at stake from ESPN alone with the staging of this tournament. So if it didn't go ahead, they would not be getting that $70 million. So as you say, we, we then came into this week and yesterday we were told by Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, that the event was going to go ahead. He was going to pass it. He was comfortable that it was safe and he's basically said sports are back in business in new york which has done a, a fantastic job by all accounts of 
of suppressing the virus in recent weeks to get to this point. It seemed, frankly, absurd, maybe six weeks ago, that this could have been the case. Well, I think we'd all pretty much written off the US Open as a possibility. And anyway, yesterday he said it's coming, and I think that that, that caught the United States Tennis Association on the hop, to be honest. I don't think they were expecting him to reveal that news yesterday. So they quickly rushed out a, a statement saying, yes, the event is going to go ahead. We're delighted about it, and we'll have a proper announcement and presentation tomorrow. That happened today on a on a live call which also featured Serena Williams coming on with a video of her own to say she was going to be there. So it was a big old deal. Which was a surprise. Serena Williams wasn't billed as being part of uh, that press conference. Is that right? No, it was. It was she she, she was popped a, up she midway was a through. Sort of uh, Madonna style uh, guest appearance. Yeah, the whole thing was quite <laughs> one of those quite surreal situations and one that we're going to have to get used to of of them hosting this virtual press conference again on video where you've got the press officer emceeing it, you've got the tournament director, you've got Stacey Allister, who's the new tournament director, you've got uh, Katrina Adams, who's the previous chief exec of, of the USTA there and and. And there's basically just four of them inside the whole stadium talking to us all around the world on video. And we've also had a separate announcement from the ATP about the intended tour schedule um, up to and including the French Open and the WTA have announced announced a an intended schedule as well. It wasn't a joint announcement, but it, it seemed like at the very least a coordinated announcement yes. unless yeah. unless it was a a an unrealistic coincidence that they dropped at the same time but yeah it was, uh, it was yeah very co- well co- coordinated. coordinated you're right and and the 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 headlines of it are that the atp tour will return on the 14th of august and they're going to have a run happy into happy birthday dad the, oh, and, and birthday. my and my godson rory Big day. It's a big day. Okay, it's also a big tennis day. Uh, Washington, D.C. hosting the tournament on the 14th of August, followed by Cincinnati, but not in Cincinnati. (laughs) So That's the world we're in now. What does Cincinnati... I mean, I don't want to get too philosophical, but I also do want to get very philosophical about the fact that what is Cincinnati if it's not in Cincinnati? It, it is, is the Western and Western Southern and Open. Southern Open yeah. Sure. They, they were very keen to stress that. <laughs> <laughs> on, sure, on the Western and Southern are delighted. <laughs> well, on on the, the calendar, it says Cincinnati played at Flushing Meadows. Sure. Okay. Um, so, yeah, basically what they want to do is that they're letting the players have a hotel from about the 15th of August in New York, a week before Cincinnati's due to start. They will be qualifying for Cincinnati. It sounds ridiculous me saying Cincinnati, doesn't it? But anyway, for that tournament, they're going to have a qualifying for that. They've got a doubles draw. They'll play that for a week, and then the US Open will start. That will not have any qualifying at all, which is has caused major yes. consternation out there. But before we come on to that consternation, and obviously the consternation will be discussed in detail, there's also been an announcement of a, a post-US Open pre French Open calendar, which, drumroll please, need to retract all of my previous sniffiness about the potential for Kitschbühel to be 
uh, one of the big returning events of the tennis calendar because, David, it's, all of Dominic Team's yeah, dreams are coming true. It's on, except the only problem is for Dominic Team, <laughs> if he wants to play Kitzbühel, he's got to lose in he's New York. He's got to play and lose week. the US Open. It's yeah. a real, I mean, what a Dominic Team conundrum. Is he allowed to not play New York and play Kitzbühel no. instead? No, they have introduced a rule which, let's face it, I I, I think sounds like it's targeted specifically at, at Dominic Team. <laughs> don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, he's the only top yeah. ten player who regularly plays Kitzbühel. So, so the rule is that top ten players are only allowed to enter Kitzbühel, which will be taking place during week two of the US Open, if they have entered the US Open. So they to prevent the top players from just saying, screw the screw the US Open and that hard court swing, I'm coming back for the clay. I'm I mean, it could be aimed at people that aren't Dominic team. I just can't think of any specific people that aren't Dominic team that team that, chosen, that might be aimed at. He'd chosen defending his Kitzbühel title over the Olympics. So, Will he choose it over the US Open? Fascinating. But you said he can't do that. I mean, Matt has... Have you predicted him to win the US Open? Yeah, loosely. <laughs> <laughs> back when... Back in the old world. Do you remember that? Do you think he might... No, hang on. No, no sorry. Well, he no, he can't. He, he's can't. not allowed to skip the US Open and play kitchball. Do right. you but, think he will lose round two if the US Open suspiciously... <laughs> <laughs> to um, oh, I forgot. I've forgotten all the names of tennis players. <laughs> no. no, he won't. <laughs> Name me sort of a world number seventy-eight that he might lose to um, suspiciously. Andrea Seppi. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that. No, that wasn't the sort of play anyone can lose to. And he's the keep you honest kind of guy. Yeah, I know. But so he'll put in a good, a solid seven out of ten. And if, yeah. if Dominic chucks in a five, he's out. So uh, anyway, any, any other so, candidates? Can you, can we can we remember any other male tennis players? Um, Been a while, folks. <laughs> While you Google that, Dennis um, Novak, his countryman. <laughs> Who was that bloke he lost to in Davis Cup last year? Oh, um, Emil Rusuvori, the that Finn. guy. Dominating lost to him. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So only anyway, after Kitzbühel, uh, there was some. By, by the way, there were some fantastic mocked-up photos of Dominic <laughs> Team and uh, and Kitzbühel stroke yeah, US Open. It's it's gone meme tastic, and it's great. Yeah. yeah. So um, after that, then there's Madrid, thirteenth uh, of September, followed by Rome, twentieth of September. Followed by Paris, uh, which has now moved back a further uh, week the, from its the original Open, placing Paris, of its. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, uh, yes. And, 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 and there are no gaps between these no. events. No. They are one after the other. So, we're looking at Western Southern Open, US Open, Madrid, Rome, Paris consecutively. It's, it's like saying no you, you asked for tennis, folks. Here <laughs> is all the tennis. the tennis. I can't wait. It's going to um, be great. And the WTA calendar, the the wording of their calendar is slightly different, isn't it? It's it's not provisional, intended. I think is the word that they're using. Intended proposed. calendar, proposed calendar. There we go. Um, how does that look? 
Well, similar in the first part of it, in that they've got the the Cincinnati inverted commas but event. We need to stop calling it that. Nothing is happening in the city of Cincinnati. The New York qualifying week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's not qualifying. Okay. Uh, the Western the, Southern the, Open. The, the, yeah. the words right. have ceased the, to mean the things that they used to mean. Everything's they've beaten weird. Me. They've beaten me. The Western and Southern Open is a mixed uh, men and women event. So that's, Do you think uh, Western and Southern all start sending us money? <laughs> if, we keep, if we keep up like this? Nope. Um, <laughs> so they have... Uh, they've got their event so, uh, the so week before the, the US Open. All, so of the, the all of the events that the ATP have announced, bar Kitchbill, are are combined events, right? They so yes, Cincinnati slash not Cincinnati, Washington, which is Was- Washington's not actually currently on the WTA calendar, although there is a TBD in the the week right. of the tenth, and that usually is a combined event. Yeah, isn't it? absolutely. Um, but okay. there is an event even earlier on the WTA calendar, which is Palermo uh, on the 3rd of August. Then later on, there's, there's also Istanbul. I think the big difference here is that they've pr- put their proposed calendar all the way through to the end of the year. Mm. So, in, And it, it, it includes a lot of Asian swing yeah. events. Well, if, you, if you remember when Roland Garros moved its dates, it suddenly clashed with Wuhan. Now Wuhan has moved itself back, so it's – the actual Asian swing after Roland Garros finishes starts with Beijing, which is actually a huge tournament, premier mandatory mm. tournament, straight off the back of uh, of the French Open. Um, that used to be after Wuhan. Well, now it's before, and Wuhan is the week after on the on October the nineteenth. And then there are other events like Moscow, uh, Tokyo, and then they've got the WTA finals scheduled for the ninth of November in Shenzhen still as it originally was. So the calendar on the women's side runs all the way to the end of November, which is a good month longer, maybe even more than the calendar would normally be. On the men's side, at the moment, there is no categoric decision taken on or even proposed calendar being released for the Asian swing or for Paris indoors or for the ATP finals. But from what I was reading this evening, they've obviously been asked about that and the intention is certainly to play the ATP finals um, in London as originally planned, whether fans can... uh, it can can come along is another matter. Obviously, we we're, we know the situation. We'll have to wait and see when we get there. But I think that their their plan would be to try to get that played no matter what because they rely on it for finance just the same way as the USTA relies on the US Open. Yeah, my understanding is that it's pretty critical that that, that ATP finals takes place, be it regrettably behind closed doors or, or, I mean, obviously the ideal scenario with crowds, but that feels... in given that it's in the UK, uh, potentially quite fanciful at the moment. But um, yeah, I, I, I think I think the ATP, just as the WTA are in a similar position, very, very incentivised for, for that to happen. On the subject of fans, the French Open also held a, some kind of video conference today and had a had a big press release and they're saying that they intend to, to have fans they at, at the French Open. They don't know what percentage it will be. I think they're in, in discussions with the French government about that and it will be a 
maybe a last minute decision perhaps or certainly within the you know within a few weeks they'll they will decide that they're not definitive at the moment but they are planning to have fans so um that will obviously be very different to the US Open which is which is behind closed doors completely yeah, and that is that is. Am I right in saying that's pretty unequivocal? That, that whereas the French Open are kind of leaving the whole fans thing pretty open. The U.S. Open are saying it is going to be behind closed doors. There's, yeah. there's there's nothing that can there's nothing re the pandemic and the situation that can change between now and those dates that will that will change the situation with fans. And they've 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 announced pretty clearly. And in and in quite a lot of detail, albeit um, some details are a bit different to what was sort of previously hinted at, um, what the the rules and regulations are going to be for players, mm. haven't they? Yeah, I mean the the reason they're able to get this off the ground and get the the pass from the governor of New York to do this is because they've put in such strict measures in order to, in inverted commas, guarantee safety of people and and to assure the the authorities that that they are not going to cause a problem here. And that means having a kind of bubble, really, for the players. So that, I mean, if you imagine the size of the the National Tennis Centre in, in New York, let alone the Arthur Ashe Stadium, but the whole complex is so big and there won't be anybody in it other than players and officials. So it's an enormous space. Now, they've already figured out sort of areas that they can have for, for playing football and, and basketball and all sorts of things like this. They're, they're, they're going to give all 32 seeds a suite around the Arthur Ashe Stadium to have as a sort of warm-up area and a sort of personal area, they're going to get all the players in a hotel, a specific hotel, I think at JFK mm-hmm. um, it, it, Airport. Yes, it's TWA, an airport hotel. Yeah. yeah. Um, it looks and the alternative, <laughs> the, the alternative for them is to <laughs> has, has rent anyone, a house. Has anyone ever stayed in an airport hotel for more than one night? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, you know, if you win the US Open and you don't go for the house option, which they've obviously laid on <laughs> after have, lots imagine, of complaints. Okay, imagine you do the Western and Southern Open and then win the US Open. That's potentially a plus quarantine. That's like more than a month in an airport hotel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, there won't be too many of those players who say, I don't like spending all my time at the site. <laughs> <laughs> they're all going to be spending all their time at the site because <laughs> they're, they're clearly going to turn the US Open grounds into Disneyland in order to make it, <laughs> you know, they're going to have every possible um <laughs> creature comfort there for them and entertainment so that they don't have to go anywhere else and they can keep tabs on them at all times. I mean, they're going to test them, Uh, they said, ahead of the event and at least once in a week and and probably more. And then if someone were to break protocol, they would have to be tested pretty much daily, they were saying. Mm. Uh, And and crucially, they they seem to have eliminated the... Um, discussed rule that Novak Djokovic had preemptively opposed, which was a restriction of one entourage member per player. They've said that they will um, 
uh, reserve one extra room per player, but they will only only the player will be paid for um, in terms of their accommodation and expenses. But they will have the right to one additional room, which will be uh, the financial responsibility of the player. But the the kind of unwritten small print is you can bring extra people if you want. We won't prevent you from doing that. We just aren't. We just aren't laying on uh, the the facilities to to make that easier. And they for haven't you. actually made their decision yet about whether they can bring more than one person on to the site. They're still working that out. They've clearly they've had some. Novak Djokovic is is his personal chef is waiting by the phone to hear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> look, uh, when Lopez was asked about this on this uh, media call. He's, he again. He was trying to be. He was very, very respectful to to players like Novak and, and and many others. And he said, "Look, if players don't want to come, I really respect that. I understand that. I and he said, for me, the the entourage issue, it is a sacrifice, but it is a small sacrifice in my opinion. But it's up to them. If they don't want to do it, I understand it. But we've we can't not have the tournament because of that. And and." Uh, what I what I sensed was he also said we've also got to understand that there's still two months to go yet, and they the USTA have made us feel that things may well be better by then, and they may be able to actually do more for them by that time. I mean, I, su- I suppose it's also possible that it could go the other way, and things could get worse in the next two months. We don't we don't really know. Um, well, I, I mean, look, the the thing may well not happen yet. Yeah. I think we all need to bear that in mind. These are plans, and they have said that the event is going ahead. The governor has said it can go ahead, but that's under current day conditions. Who knows whether a second wave might have happened by then that just Indian Wells style makes somebody go, no, that's not happening. And I certainly think that that's even more of a a, a thing to bear in mind with the the later dates on the provisional calendar that's been announced because in 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 Catherine speaks beyond her scientific and medical brief uh, news that although there is no uh, definitive data on on covid and the way it's impacted by temperature traditionally viruses are um less contagious in in warm weather so it's likely that the current trends that we're seeing though we don't know for sure it's likely that the current trends we're seeing are impacted by uh, the weather in the northern hemisphere and as things do start to get get cooler into the autumn which is when it's it's pretty deep into the autumn actually really that the the french open is scheduled to happen um that could become a factor but um yeah, we should probably deviate before I speak even more beyond my scientific brief. But it it's absolutely worth worth bearing in mind before we before we get too carried away. Now, cue getting really carried away. Off, yeah, off you I mean, go. <laughs> well, we, we were going to say before we book flights. Well, nobody will be booking flights because the media are not allowed in. Um, they have said that some broadcast partners will be allowed to go. I don't exactly know what that means but the media have were told on this call they won't be uh credentialed for the tournament so you know which is no great surprise i mean and that's the us open you're talking about there yeah yeah so and 
And look, it's, there has been, I mean, preemptively, there was a lot of dissent from, from players, particularly on the ATP side. A few, a few uh, stray voices here and there on the WTA side, but a lot of ATP players have been quite outspoken about um, their feelings about the US Open going ahead and, and subsequent to the announcement that has... Yeah, nothing has changed. Um, there's today, uh, sort of a few hours, a day or so after the uh, announcement, uh, there was um, a post by Gabby Dubrovsky, um, WTA player, um, m- mostly in doubles, um, very con- considered uh, post um, headlined my personal thoughts on the US Open moving forward, which, I mean, there, there, there are plenty of players who have said, plenty of things and made plenty of arguments about why they're opposed to it happening but i think her um her post probably sums up or covers most of them and is certainly extremely eloquent eloquently expressed so i'll i'll summarize her the the points that she's made um to, to give you a view of 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 what and why the the players are are opposing this decision. Um, she says, with respect, while I'm appreciative that the US Open put forth big efforts to operate, I have many concerns. Here is my perspective. And uh, it's bullet pointed. She says, when the US Open presented their plan, it felt like being sold on an idea, telling us that testing is over 90% a- accurate when we know it's around 70%. Well, I mean, that's... I mean, we hear all sorts of things about testing, don't we? Anyway, but that's that's what she says. She says that gives the impression that health and safety of players are not the priority. Um, In reality, most decisions had already been made, so player feedback wasn't really taken into consideration. She said it's impossible to control and enforce a bubble situation where players only move from the hotel to the venue and back. Um, we don't know who the who players will come into contact with and those that don't obey put everyone else in the tournament at risk. She says at least half of players are not comfortable travelling to the US. Um, I, look, I don't know. She doesn't give any um, sort of specific evidence for that. And presumably she is in contact with other players, but I, I you know, I... I don't know how how that claim can be backed up, but anyway, that's what she says. Um she says uh, at least half of players, lots of players disappointed with no qualifying, no mixed and half a doubles draw. Not having qualifying and a smaller doubles draw increases the lack of parity in tennis. We don't want to disapp- disproportionately move the needle further, creating a bigger gap between those at the top and those who need the income and opportunity for growth. She says the beauty of a slam is the story of the qualifier who battled three tough matches to earn their spot in the main draw and get the upset. This story will not exist at this year. This year's US Open. She said the beauty of a slam is mental fortitude and the skill it takes to win six doubles matches. The beauty of a slam is having the opportunity to play mixed doubles, a unique aspect of tennis. There is a, a concern with the exhaustive nasal testing, she says. It would not be occasional, but multiple times a week. It's an uncomfortable test that hasn't proven accurate, and to be subject to it that often is a source of anxiety for players. And she says the consequence of testing positive on site means an immediate withdrawal, no matter what round you're in, and staying in a hotel room until you test negative. Even without symptoms, this could mean you're isolated for weeks on end, unable to play further events 
or even go home. She says, uh, I wish we could use this hiatus to explore new designs of how and where we play tennis, like some real out-of-the-box thinking. Um, I mean, <laughs> I, I, what I would say is the beauty of sl a slam stuff. Well, yeah, when there's not a pandemic on yeah. is, my, is my argument in response to that. Yeah, love to... Absolutely, it's terrible that qualifying can't take place. It's terrible that there's half a doubles draw. It's terrible that the, there's so many parts of a slam that wouldn't normally happen. There's no fans in the stadium. There's no atmosphere that you'd normally get. There's no wheelchair competition. There's so much that's not going to be that we regard as a slam. So the question is, do you run it or don't you run it? And I think if you can run it, you run it because the sport needs it. And I mean, I, I know Judy Murray f feels strongly that it's there's a fairness issue in terms of there are certain players around the world who just may not be able to get there. And I do, I look at the, if that ends up being the case, and you think of the, the the degrees to which the coronavirus has hit players in South America or, or regions in South America at the moment, there, and, and we've still got two months to go. Who knows how bad it's going to get? But if you just wrote off the rest of the year when you can play. I think that the tours and the, the tournaments have a duty to try to make this happen somehow in order to to create an economy that can sustain tennis in the long run because no, no amount of out-of-the-box thinking is just going to magic up an equivalent to the US Open. Yeah, I, I entirely agree. I mean, I don't, I don't specifically disagree with anything that she says. I don't, you know, I... It's not that I think any of the dissenting voices from players are are wrong specifically or that they don't make valid points. I just think I just think potentially a lot of them don't realize how high the stakes are. I mean the impression mm. I get is that this is the future of the sport on the line. This is the very existence of the ATP, the WTA, the Grand Slams on the line. And these events going ahead or not going ahead could be the difference between those institutions and organisations continuing and not continuing. And while in the micro sense, obviously there are issues of um, parity and fairness. Obviously there are. This is not ideal. I mean, this pandemic is exacerbating and showing up issues of fairness and equality across the board um and you know that's that's for the long run to deal with i i i i can't argue that this is a, a fair solution but but not going ahead with it when it's possible even in compromised um conditions will it seems to me lead to greater long run inequality um and unfairness and and destitution really um and you know it'd be it would be a very very strange situation if we were all sitting here in august or september and people were saying there could be tennis happening now um and it just wasn't happening i know there's sort of a human desire for black and white and clarity and that's that's been shown up in lots of ways by this whole situation. You know, I found lockdown 
I found the the regulations a lot easier actually when we were in total lockdown and it was all extremely clear and we were all in it together. It was dreadful, but at least it was clear cut. Um and everyone was in the same situation and now it's all sort of ragged and frayed and inequitable and, and there's something really anxiety inducing about that on a human level and I totally I totally understand that human response but we are where we are this is extremely unideal and and the thought of just being sat around in September knowing that that tennis could be being played but we'd sort of made some blanket decision um that that it shouldn't be in in 2020 and we should just you know let's let's call the whole thing off and start again in 2021 which which frankly is what i was saying 6 weeks ago um and now i sort of know more about the situation and how what the stakes are i think that seems silly even though this this scenario we're faced with is very very far from ideal yeah it was hearing and reading Lopez's comments that really crystallised just how severe the financial implications of all this are to me. I I was aware that obviously, you know, there was a lot at stake, but I hadn't quite realised how much was at stake until Lopez put it the way he did. So I think, you know, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, the start of lockdown, I had a had an image in my mind of the return to tennis being this wonderful thing to celebrate that, you know, how great it will be when tennis is back. It will just, you know, I probably naively thought at the start that it would kind of go back to normal and we would all be going to the first event back and how great that would be. But slowly it's become clear that that, that is not the case. And I hear all the concerns about fairness and I sympathize massively with all those players. I particularly sympathize with players who, I remember Simon talking about it at the start of this process, that squeezed middle, those ones who are not financially able to just sit out events if they don't feel safe. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, hold it against those players who do that because I think it's a perfectly legitimate response to not be comfortable with this. But there will be some players out there who don't feel safe but also are now in a situation where tennis is starting so they're kind of feeling compelled to go to events that they don't want to go to, to chase money, to chase opportunity, to chase ranking points. And it's it's going to be incredibly difficult for them. It's going to be, it's a, it's like an incredibly unfortunate situation. But yeah, the future of the sport is at stake. And if we can get the US Open running, and I'm encouraged that the ATP Challenger Tour is also going to be starting up at the same time as the ATP Tour, which... I imagine would be more domestic, but it should give hopefully some sort of chance for lower ranked players to play, to start earning some money. I don't know what they're going to do about points. They haven't specified that yet. That that obviously is an important currency for players, but the ITF tour is starting. Opportunities will be coming again for lower ranked players. Um, it's it's not fair, but it's, as you said, it's it seems necessary and... Um, I think that's just the situation we're in now. Oh, cheery, cheery. (laughs) When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Guys, it's going to be rubbish, but rubbish is the best we can expect. <laughs> <laughs> Give us some, uh, make it sound great, David. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Serena Williams sounded like she was up for it. Um, although, big, that's, uh, that really is big, isn't it? There was, it, it was huge. It was a big moment, yeah. actually. And, and look, there is star power right there. And not only her as an individual, but given what she's got on the line, this is yeah. a chance for her now. And, and, were... and imagine if, okay, I'm, I'm getting carried away now. I'm doing the David Law optimism train. But imagine if this were the slam. Oh, it would be a where great Where she did 24. <laughs> it would be the, it would, that, I mean, that would, I mean, start writing the film script now, just in case. Yeah. Well, because people because, will be saying this is the asterisk slam. Well, but well who cares? She, who cares? A lot of Margaret Courts were the asterisk is, slam. She is trying yeah, to match I mean, the asterisk record. Let's yeah. be honest. I think, I think there were there were eleven times that uh, Margaret Court won slams in her twenty four, which were in Australia when half the world wasn't playing, and that's why we we always we know there's an asterisk against that, but actually on the whole. How often does anybody ever talk about that outside of our little circle? It doesn't get talked about. So there's so many people who've replied to us discussing the subject saying the the way this will will turn out will be will be a massive asterisk against this tournament and and it just doesn't count. Well, I get the point and that there are but that will not be remembered in the long run, not really. Um, because there are so many where players have either got injured or, um, you know, it just no, so nobody says Sue Barker won the French Open. Oh, and by the way, Chris Everett wasn't playing. I also think, to an extent, and and this is probably unfair, but to an extent, it depends depends who it is. I think if uh, and and again, I've 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 driven myself down an avenue I can't get out of because I 
I can't remember any tennis player names. Um, but if the world number 140 wins it, <laughs> it will suddenly look like more of an asterisk than if Serena Williams wins it or even if... Help me out with the tennis player, Matt. <laughs> what, a good one? Or <laughs> give, give me a sort of... Uh, give Bianca me, Andrescu. Give me a... Uh, like a... Give me a, a, a 10 to 20 non-Grand Slam champion. Arketa Vondrasova. Yeah. Well, no, she's a Grand Slam finalist. Okay. Give me like a... Uh, <laughs> think of tennis players. People are shouting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Suddenly it will... I mean, it's all... As much as we think it will... It will it's sort of objective how big the asterisk will be. Actually, it'll be it'll be a postscript, the asterisk. And, was... you know, if Serena Williams and let's say, obviously Roger Federer won't be winning it and we'll come on to why in a moment. Um, I'm sure you all know why because it's old news by now. Um, but uh, let's say Novak Djokovic, who I, as much as he's talked a big game, I just have a sneaky feeling he's going to end up playing the US Open. If Serena Williams and Novak Djokovic win it, the asterisk will be smaller mm. than if insert tennis players here, Matt <laughs> <laughs> or David, anyone help uh, me out. My, Elena Rybakina and yes. uh, Francis I'm on, my, I'm, on, yes. I'm on my second beer, by the way, everybody. Uh, Catherine's on <laughs> uh, the gym. Th- do, do you know what I mean? It's not an object, objectively sized asterisk. I agree. And I also think it feels like a bit bigger asterisk at the moment because – We've been so used to having reliably good slams in the last 20 or 30 years with no asterisk whatsoever. You know, everyone's been there barring injury. They've been this big, huge events, well attended, and they've felt massive. Now we're taking yeah, away... There, there was there was a time, there was a time. When, when Thomas Johansson was winning slams. <laughs> And there was a time when people weren't going to the Australian Open. Exactly. Yeah. Even even twenty five years ago, you know, um, John McEnroe didn't go for most of his career. There was it, a time when Chris Evert wasn't going to the French Open. Lots of people didn't play Wimbledon. He's a world team Wimbledon. tennis, you know. It was... Gustavo Curtin would would uh, and Yannick Noah they they won the French Open and didn't necessarily play Wimbledon. Mm. Um, there were Ivan Lendl skipped the French Open to prepare for Wimbledon twice. The, you know, the, does that make the French Open an asterisk because he was the world number one back then? Mm. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think of it like that personally. Look, I know this is more severe in terms of this is a global pandemic and there's no crowd and all. The, I get all the points, um, but who who will thrive in the no crowd environment? Well, you had a good question. shout the other day. I thought I said Kiki Buttons and Stefano Sitsipas. Carolina Because pass looks completely irritated when he's got, you know, most of a stadium full of Greek fans in. He sort of looks like, oh, I know I have to kind of look like I'm delighted by this, but it is frankly an irritation. He quite likes his own company, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> Keith Buttons is very open about the fact that she doesn't enjoy the big stage and the big exposure. So those are my picks. Let's let's go. I mean, look, we've got another think, two months to do on, that. You think Carolina Pliskova doesn't like the crowds? Well, I think she's just perfectly capable of just quietly going and winning an event, as long as she doesn't have too much 
Yeah. Razzmatazz to worry about. Um, who will be... She's going to win miss- the Western and Southern Open. She's the, uh, <laughs> yeah. she's the pre-slam queen. And then we'll all go, queen. she's going to win it, guys. I think she's going to win all ten events <laughs> that are left play, on the calendar. Will they play the Western and Southern Open on different courts to the US Open to no, make it no, feel different somehow. Um, so how and, will and it actually, feel different? Well, uh, just just we should just go back to the Serena Williams point as well because just slotted into this press conference was the news that she had brought in the exact court surface and had it installed <laughs> in her home in order to get practice which because it isn't am i right in thinking matt it's a new service surface yes, this year it's a new hard court surface and yeah stacy allister who by the way baptism of fire new u.s open <laughs> tournament director yep. just sort of casually dropped it in that they'd sent her this new surface and she'd had it installed in her home which is <laughs> i mean she was i was surprised she was so open about that do you think the previous tournament director do you remember during the uh, when there was a change of government during in the UK during the financial crash, the previous uh, chancellor, or, or maybe it was the permanent secretary of the treasurer, left a note in the treasury saying there's no money. <laughs> Do you think it was like that with the previous tournament director of the US Open? <laughs> Good luck. There's a pandemic. <laughs> Enjoy. I feel like. She knew what she was getting herself into. <laughs> um, before I think before we start talking about who might win it, and we, let's face it, we've got two months to do that. And no, um, no one said we were going to talk about who might win it, David. We've just I'm, done. I'm presenting just this that. thing. I'm presenting this thing, and we've that just was been doing not. It. it wasn't a you radar that's going to go down. No, it, um, what, when did I? When did I? Well, with your Kiki Burton's chat. Um, right. No, I said who would who would enjoy and thrive in a no crowd environment. No okay. one talked about well, winning it. All right. Well, what about this then? Who <laughs> is not going to play? Roger Federer. Roger Federer. Everybody, if you hadn't seen, is injured and out for the rest of the year. Although I I I, I don't. He made it quite clear he didn't fancy no crowd tennis whatsoever. So he's not playing. Um, Novak Djokovic has used the words extreme to describe the the conditions that they would have to play in and, and the lack of uh, team members and not staying in Manhattan and that kind of thing. Um, Rafael Nadal did a, a big conference call a couple of weeks ago in which he said, you know, if it was if I'd got to make the decision right now, I wouldn't want to go. But there's a couple of months to go yet. But he clearly isn't that keen. And I think that the bigger point is that the French Open and the clay swing is straight after it. Now, does yeah. he just think, do you know what? I can, this year, Roger Federer is not playing. I can draw level with him with one more. Maybe I should, maybe I just cut my losses and go straight to Madrid. Can't play Kitchbill though, though. <laughs> no, no. Think but... twice about that, Rafa. Um, Nick Kyrgios is just staying on the fence with his opinions. <laughs> Nick Kyrgios is just trolling the whole process and doesn't, to my mind, seem to have a, a an awful lot of um, I think thought he's still, to it. Still drinking that bottle of red wine he was on when he did the Instagram live with Andy Murray that was swiftly deleted. I mean, I under, I understand he's you know he's he's of the view or he's been stating that that tennis shouldn't come back while there's so much going on in the world and well he's currently you, he's just travelled over. 
to Europe to well, he, to play in an exhibition I tour. Don't, I don't know if he's travelled yet, but he, his right. his name is down to play in Berlin. His name's on. Whether he plays, whether he does or okay. not, I mean, surely not. Um, I would, but I mean, I think I don't, I don't really care to be honest that much about what he's got to say about it. Um, I'm more interested <laughs> in what other people might or might not do. Well, um, Simona Halep has yeah. has said as things stand, she's not going to play, but she is open, I think, to having her mind changed. I, I'd be surprised, personally. And she was one of the few tennis players who pulled out of the Rio Olympics with the with the concerns over Zika, so that it, it is actually quite, quite in line with her previous thinking on all this. Mm. Personally, personally, I think Djokovic probably will play. Mm, I, think, I, I do think, too. I think they've slightly seeded some of the what he was calling extreme measures i still think he he's broadly against them but i think he's i think they've there's enough wiggle room now that he he can probably play but i would i would think nadal might not as you were saying the the prospect of us open madrid rome french open consecutively i think i think he might struggle with and i think he would he would favor obviously, the French Open being in I, prime form for those two weeks. I don't think Nadal can win both. Even Quite with a, a, even with a depleted I, field, even with him at his best just physically. I don't think Djokovic can win both either. Well, that no, means probably, probably no one can win both. I think he could win one or the other maybe, but mm. I, don't think he, I don't think he would win the French Open really. Um, Chocolate. So then maybe so then maybe logically it would make more sense for him to play the US because mm. Nadal's the roadblock at the French. Mm. That that's Nadal's his... a bigger roadblock the, at the French than the rest of the field is at the US Open. I mean, Djokovic said I I'm I I'm more likely to start my season in September in mm. Europe. Now, mm. I I get the I totally get the reasons why. I really do. Um but same time, it's a heck of an opportunity, isn't it, to just mm. know Federer, maybe know Nadal, maybe maybe depleted further. There may be no Vavrinka. There are suggestions he might not play. I'm not sure team will play. So suddenly, I mean, and look, he Vavrinka Djokovic, needs, don't you think Vavrinka needs the crowd? Djokovic beats virtually all of these people slams. anyway. Um, but fact well, is, it's a hell of an opportunity. Slams, but I, th- I think Vavrinka needs crowd. Well, Ash Barty has expressed uh, reservations, hasn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that, look, there, there will if be we, some players who don't have play. Have we heard but from Andreas? Most will. I haven't heard from her, no. I, I think mm. most players will play, um, personally. but I do too. I, th- I feel like we're at the lowest ebb at the moment regarding player opinions. But on then, it. then the only, I, the only think... big thing is what happens between now and then virus wise because it could it could get worse and it could that may well change things it could i've already done my s- scientific corner i won't <laughs> <laughs> i won't i won't delve further i am interested to see what they do to make it a better experience given there are no fans what would I you mean, like them to do well I mean, I've been watching play, some of this football. Play sweet and they've Caroline been, at, the, been, at the changeovers. <laughs> I mean, they do that anyway. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, I mean. Well, they will do that. 
I'm sure I mean, no, they won't. You can't, you can't play boppy pop music they to will. an empty. I mean, no, that's I'm worse. You, they will. No, worse. I'm sure they will. I mean, and, and you've got to play like they'll, really they'll low, lo fi, morose music. No, they'll try and fill every silence. I'm sure of it. Um, it'll just, e- a bit, just echo. I think the key. You can't have Neil Diamond echoing <laughs> round uh, 20,000 Caesars Stadium. I bet you they do. No. <laughs> they will. I mean, they've been... Uh, um, it's been all right in the football, I think, tonight. Well, but uh, I, don't we've think, I don't think you can pump crowd noise into tennis as easy as you can football. With football, there's a constant oh, tell hum. That, tell that, Matt, to the 2008 Istanbul Open Champions Tour event. <laughs> it's a bit niche. <laughs> Come on, Catherine, what, what happened there? Yeah, my, I remember you, yeah, I remember you, you talked about this. My first ever... Um, well, my first ever sort of post-university job, I suppose. I'd just been employed by David Law, nightmare boss, dreadful. Um, and uh, my first ever uh, solo event assignment was to go to Istanbul, Turkey, uh, to cover a, a Champions Tour event uh, with, uh, among other players, uh, Goran Ivanovic, Pat Cash... Sergi Brigera. And what did uh, they do? Cedric Peeling, I think, was there. Anyway, it was July, July 2008. Uh, and uh, I've not been to, to Istanbul in other months. I can only assume it's more bearable. Uh, I loved the city, but uh, climate-wise, in July, it was uh, simply... Uh, not the conditions uh, in which human life can survive. <laughs> um, too, too hot. It, it was uh, outside of air conditioning. It was a w- wilt, wither and die situation. Uh, so obviously <laughs> nobody turned up uh, for this outdoor event. It was a really great event. Otherwise, it was a shame. But uh um, there was no no crowd to speak of because it was impossible to be uh, outside for more than one point five seconds at a time. Uh, so they they just ploughed on and pumped in crowd noise, and I'd never experienced that before at a, a tennis event or since. Um, and uh, yeah, it was deeply weird, <laughs> but, but possi- I mean, the, possibly the, the, marginally better than okay. They're not Silence. doing this in the stadium, though, are they? They're only doing this for the TV viewer, Matt, with the, with, on these matches we're watching. Agreed. But I don't... But, but you've got to have someone... But with football, it's a constant hum of noise. With tennis, mm, it's going it's to be... The, it's sort of rise and fall of noise. So you'll noise. have to have a sort of sound mixer. Yeah. You would, yeah. And, and I reckon oh. they do... I reckon they a little bit of hubbub sort of at the US Open from what they normally have is... Is something they should put in for a start as a base. Okay, as a as as sorry, Matt, carry on. Well, yes, I mean, I agree because I think tennis is a uniquely bad <laughs> sport when there's no noise whatsoever. It, I'm sorry, it Agreed. is miserable. <laughs> Mind it, you, we it, do it, like the silence at the Wimbledon final, don't we? When they're coming up to match point, and there's just and then it all goes quiet. Yes, yeah, but. Exactly. But, That's but, the but rise the, and the fall of noise. The silence is only good because of the what precedes and follows it. Yes, it's all about it's the, the environment and the context and the contrast. If you've just got an, tennis in an empty stadium, yeah, 
is a thoroughly it's... miserable experience. I'm sorry, it is. Yeah, we've, all, anybody... we've all watched it and hated a... it and commented on it in the past. 23,000 seater. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, we, and we're going to realise that what makes these events these events is the connection between the players and the fans. And I agree, there's nothing, there's nothing they can really do about, you know, fans having fans on site. It's the right decision not to have them. But I just think they need to think of something for the broadcast to make it more watchable. And I don't know what that is. I, I would say, not Cliff Richard, I would say it's more coaching. It's more headset coaching, miking players up. It's stuff like that. Yeah. I think but you hate that, Matt. I I know, but this is where we're at, right? <laughs> <laughs> I I would prefer that to okay, David, no, nothing it, at all. David, as somebody who um, is uh, facing the prospect of radio commentary on crowd free on crowd free Grand Slam tennis, yeah. um, I, I, and I make that point because I mean the the the, the effects are amplified in importance on the radio. They're so crucial. And I think you are somebody that I think you're a master at using those and and harmonising with those effects. How how was it going to be? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank I mean, you very what, much. Um, how's it going to be? Oh, it's a yeah, good have, question. Have you, have you had a chance to think about, you know, how you'll really. I mean, how, you, how you'll do that job, you know, I mean, I, I, I in those had, circumstances. I have commentated on very I, I tell you I tell you where I did a match. I remember doing an Australian open match with Joe Conta against Garbinia Magarutha and it was three thirty AM and there was hardly anybody in the stadium. I remember it vividly. Yeah. I do too, um, because I was waiting in the bowels of that stadium for an interview. <laughs> so not the warning at all. Probably the closest that I can get to because you would still hear a bit of clapping from the entourages and that, stuff like that. That was the match that they were going to move to court too, but they couldn't because of pigeon poo. <laughs> That's Correct. the one. Oh, don't you love tennis? <laughs> oh. So, um, look, I, I have to say I got, I got into that match. I, I felt able to commentate well, on that match. you can get into anything. <laughs> but I think I was able to deliver a... And ex- hopefully an exciting listen without it seeming absurd, because that's the key. You don't want to sound ridiculous. Mm. Um, but I think that given – it depends what it is. I mean, there's, if if it's not a match that would appeal to my audience necessarily on its own and there's no atmosphere, then I'm, I'm afraid you do end up – you lower your own tone and you end up talking about something else to some degree. If it's If there's a crowd – even if it's not that interesting necessarily name-wise to the audience back home, you kind of go with it because the crowd, that, that you've got to you'd be able to explain what this sound is all about, why it matters. Um, so I, I, I can't get around it. I mean, it's, it's going to be weird, but I feel that we will all adjust because we don't have any choice. We all, this is sport now for the foreseeable future and we will all, get used to it we'll get you it's like it's like watching tennis relived and starting in 1983 we get used to the pace and then adjust how do you feel about watching film play a a, a playoff with no crowd matt i mean maybe you feel great about it because playoffs are (laughs) let's face it with the benefit of distance 
excruciating. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And and as I've said, I do think that football is in a is in an easier situation to improve the TV experience than tennis. I, I think tennis is it, it's a struggle. It, it, it really is. Um, and I don't I don't envy those people who have to make those decisions of how they are going to improve it. Mm. Oh, hang on. Me and David are those people, aren't we? David and I. You mean the organisers, don't you? Oh, Matt? you mean yeah, the organisers, not, not the people that have the, to... The world feed producers and all those sort but, of people but, but who are sending the these people... pictures around. Well, you'll be the ones receiving the pictures and commenting on them, but yeah. I suppose the point is, is there something that can be done special effects-wise and audio-wise yeah. within within the broadcast Would in order to, sort of to elevate it? Virtual reality... Uh... You know, like a Keith Urban hologram type thing. Well, I mean, there's, they're, they're, they've got video walls up during this Manchester City Arsenal match that I'm watching, showing people at home watching uh, who've all video and called how does it look? in. I mean, it looks okay. <laughs> they're, they're in the eye line of the players by the looks of it. They're behind it the goal. Sounds exhilarating, David. Um, I mean, the the main thing is the sound is okay because they've they've brought in the the underlying sound of the crowd singing not celebrate i'm not sure what they do when they celebrate a goal i haven't seen i haven't actually seen a goal going yet um so you're right the problem will be is how do you how do you then raise it when somebody's just hit a screaming winner um but well, well, you know if you if you've got somebody who got the right bank of sound effects for any given day tournament experience and you've got somebody who really knew tennis who was who was controlling the faders the dials on on the the mixing desk you could do it. I'm sure mm. you could do it. Um, what, what do you think post-match press conferences and so on will look like? Is it going to be like the daily coronavirus briefing? I imagine it, it will be like be, what they had today. Yeah, it'll all be Zoom calls. They'll bring yeah. somebody into an interview room. We'll all be on on the line and we'll put our names down for a question if we've got one and then they'll come to you. There, there, there are a couple of things that do bother me about that. One is that suddenly the journalists today were part of the broadcast and they're on the screen and everybody's seeing them. And, and that's, that's okay. That's something that has happened more recently in the last couple of years at the US open, but it does bother me that suddenly, you know, we, we haven't really asked to be on the camera in a press conference room and there you are for everybody yeah. to see. The other one means is, you've, means you've got to put makeup on. And... Well, I mean, suddenly I'm seeing inside the houses of people that are really, wasn't oh, expecting to to John see John Legend and his oh yeah my my Grammys just happened to be behind me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't see any of those. There is uh, there isn't there isn't a camera angle in my house that doesn't have Grammys in it. <laughs> uh, and then there is the other element is just the there are no media on site. So how can you do any meaningful journalism to mm. to to ask questions to that, question that the organisation? That is an important point. I mean, I know this isn't um, you know politics, etc., and and you know the the stakes aren't quite as high in terms of the need for for scrutiny and holding truth to power and all of that. But journalism has its very very important place in in sport and these conditions um diminish the power and reach and place of it uh, some of the best stories that come out of the u.s open or any slammer when chris clary from the new york times is having a chat with somebody in a corridor absolutely and he can't do that 
And we're just going to have to accept that for now because I don't see any other way around it, except that he'll probably be on the phone to <laughs> anybody who needs to talk to and they'll pick up the phone. Well, hopefully to you know. us as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've already gone over time because uh, I'm not used to presenting this thing and uh, I'm I'm obviously less stringent about the whole thing than, than David is. Uh, but uh, I, I'll give you I'll give you both two minutes to talk about the ultimate tennis showdown and the Adria 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 tour. Off you I'll, go. Matt, you can take the ultimate tennis showdown. Thank you. <laughs> I've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean to be honest, I'm torn between it not wanting It is ultimate, Matt. Before you before you say anything, do be aware that it is ultimate. There isn't the definition of ultimate means there is nothing greater. I mean, and it's questionable whether it's tennis. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm torn between not wanting to give it any airtime and go on a sort of furious rant about it. I, I, I feel like I want to have Marina Hyde's opinion. Oh. I, just, I just want a column from Marina Hyde and, so she can gloriously dismantle it in one column. Um, gosh, what to say? I mean, the basic idea of using an exhibition to experiment, I am on board with and i and i think exhibitions should look different to what we see normally because otherwise kind of what's the point of having them but that's kind of where it should end and what what really frustrates me and riles me is the way that muratoglu is talking about this event as reinventing tennis and he's doing that on a well a kind of mountain of theory built on a molehill of evidence, it seems, that he's got this bogus report that the average age of the tennis viewer is 61, which was, as far as I can tell, is a report into just the United States, just people watching on TV. And he sort of used that as a way of saying that tennis needs reinvention. And I agree, the idea to speed up tennis is a is probably a noble one, but to restrict it to four... It's sort of time zones of 10 minutes and having these UTS cards that you're throwing in, which are gimmicks, essentially, and saying that that could be the future of tennis. I'm here if the ATP Tour and the WTA Tour want me. No, I'm sorry. I find it, I find it quite insulting, actually, that, that, that's, that that's his idea. I, I think it's an impenetrable scoring system that will gain no new fans and lose current fans and... The whole thing is is a massive turn off, in my opinion. Oh, that was was that two ab- minutes? <laughs> that was absolutely great. You've got uh, one point five seconds, David, to summarise the Adria tour. Well, before, before I do that, I mean, I, I, th- I thought that was majestic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I t- look, I I actually I really rate the entrepreneurial spirit, I've said that before, of people who are prepared to go out on a limb and put on something during these times because it ain't easy. Um, I, I actually, there are one or two bits of, of what I saw over the weekend that I quite enjoyed when when what? they did a... Was, well, it the, was it the acapella rendition of it, Change Is Gonna Come? No, it wasn't that. Um, it was. It was. I actually liked the idea. It's the first time I've ever seen it of the headset interviews with players. I actually liked the concept of it. I, I didn't think it always yielded good results, but I liked the concept of it. Fair enough, and I think that's absolutely mm. right to try miking up the players. Yeah, that and, kind of thing. And that isn't a change to tennis's scoring system. You know, stuff like no, that. No. I'm. I'm 
on board with. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you want to run the this concept at your academy and have whatever scoring system you like, that's fine. But, I mean, I really don't see that there will be much of a clamor for it anywhere. I, I just... I found it. I mean, I know it's a, it's early days, but I found it incredibly confusing. I found the, clearly the players did as well, and I mean, you know, I'm sure they get to grips with things, etc. I sure I saw a player top edge of a forehand deliberately out the stadium because the time was running down and he didn't need to win the point. And I just thought that that's not tennis to me. Um, and I just I just feel and and I actually heard Patrick Moritoglu say that I love tennis. I don't want. I I, I love what it is already. I'm trying to add to it. Um, which again is fair enough. I just don't see this going anywhere, really. I just don't see it going anywhere. And I just yeah, think it, it, it's kind of big stick policy. You know, it's speak softly and carry a big stick is is what he should be doing. You know, he, where he talks this massive game, and then he and then he presents us with this, and it it just yeah just doesn't yeah, add up. I, I I mean, I agree with you, David, about the entrepreneurial spirit and I agree with you Matt about I'm totally on board with um, experimentation and innovation in in exhibition tennis and there is a a place for exhibition tennis Um, uh, there is a place for exhibition tennis but it just needs to know know its place and I I think the, the, the one thing that doesn't need messing with in tennis and it's not even really a point for debate is its scoring system is it is it it is a thing of it's a rubik's cube in its in its beauty it's mm. just utter perfection and i realize you know in some exhibition formats you might want a shortened fast falls or what i mean i have issues with those but i i think fundamentally messing with the scoring system is is altering it from from what makes it tennis because mm. what makes tennis wonderful is is yeah, the scoring system is integral to that. Anyway, Adria Tor, anyone? Well, Adria Tor looked if if the Adria Tor was part of last year's tennis circuit uh, in pre-pandemic times, it would look fantastic. It was it was clearly brilliantly staged and put on from a standing start. They'd got great crowds. They'd got great presentation. They, I actually enjoyed the 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 first of four games in that particular exhibition format i thought it all worked it's just that we've got a pandemic on at the moment and i know that serbia has not been badly hit they've done an excellent job in that part of the world and i know this because my wife is croatian and in croatia the neighboring country um they have very very few cases and that's because they they locked down immediately and they were stringent and they they've kept it down but tennis played there in belgrade was exactly as you see it when there isn't any pandemic anywhere in the world. Full crowd, towels being used, picked up by ball kids, uh, handshakes at the net, players hugging, football matches between the players beforehand, high fives, going to a big party afterwards, dancing on stage together, all of this kind of stuff. Players who'd flown in to the tournament on private jets from all around Europe. Um, And look, Maybe absolutely nothing will happen to anybody, and I absolutely hope that's the case. And probably it will be the case, but it looked really, really questionable to me. And I, and I think that that is probably the main problem, not the actual tangible effects that maybe there might be a spread of the infection caused by this. It's just that it felt like it was telling the world, everything's all right. 
don't worry about it. We can, you know, in this part of the world, we can do what we like. But I think that there is an there is another message that that sends out. People like Novak Djokovic and Dominic Team and Alexander Zverev, they all have huge followings, and people are seeing them just acting as though nothing's going on in the world. And I just think it gives a message across that that's how it is. Yeah, completely agree. And a message for people that that's that's not how it is. That you know that as I said, the the difficulties at the moment of of we're not all in this together anymore. Um, you know, there are some people that are still shielding. There are some people that are you know we're still in the period of people being told, well, certainly in this country, I, I, I know in some other countries that the, the, if you're vulnerable, you you can't leave leave the house. You know, and I just think it's, and I don't expect people that are able to leave the house to not leave the house just because you know some people aren't aren't able to, but it feels really you know the the videos of them them sweatily dancing at a club together and the video of them all playing a pre pre event football match where they all hug during a goal celebration it felt like almost gratuitously emphasizing look how normal and huggy we are and i just think for various reasons sort of emotional moral it, it just even if not practically wrong it just doesn't feel right on yeah, and we, on and we should say number I mean, levels. Ser- 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 the Serbian authorities do have different rules there to what we have here in the UK, and I fully accept that they did nothing legally wrong at all, from what we understand. Um, but I just feel that tone-wise, they just should have thought that through a bit more um, and made some made some adjustments. That that's my my feeling on it, and and that is something to say that as much as I dislike the actual event that Muratoglu has put on, at least he is providing an event that is seemingly done with social distancing and safely mm. and allowing the players an opportunity to play, which I get and understand. And they could have done that on the Adria Tour. They could have they could have got these players playing, probably not the ones coming from the US. I think it would have been, I think that's one of the fundamental issues that people have with this event, that the fact that, Dimitrov came over straight from the US and wasn't in wasn't in isolation at all and just started playing and it was just it's just a bad look when you consider mm. what else is going on in the world they could have done it with mandatory masks with a crowd but socially distanced with players just from Serbia or who'd been in the been in the country there were ways of doing it that would have been sort of more suitable i think um We've been going an hour and 15 minutes because I don't run a very tight ship. <laughs> uh, do we have any other business? Uh, just a couple of quick notes from listeners on their response to the US Open announcement. Lindsay says, just excited to see meaningful tennis, but it will be a real bummer if it's a weak field. I wish they'd considered moving it to a more remote venue. Brenda Parry says, the USA have not got the virus under control yet. I've an uneasy feeling about the US Open going ahead, particularly in New York. Not all players will want to or be able to travel. It won't be a fair playing field and status as a slam will be undermined, in my opinion. And finally, Finally, Sylvia Veroni says, mixed feelings. It'll be great to have tennis on TV and people in the sport getting money, but it won't be a real grand slam this time around. I mean, I think anybody that doesn't have mixed feelings isn't 
a proper sports fan. I mean, you ought to have mixed feelings about sport behind closed doors, about sport that isn't accessible to everybody, about sport that, you know, doesn't have a full qualifying or doubles draw. That's, that's right. And that, that is, those instincts are completely right. Um, But these are completely compromised times. And I think, the alternative, but personally, I think the alternative is worse. And yeah, as much as elements of it, um, you know, fill me with sadness and trepidation, I'm going to pour all my energy into getting excited about the fact that it's happening and it's yeah. tennis. And and it probably will be a, a bit better than we fear it will be. Um, and I think also, we'll get used to it. And also... And also try and see it as a stepping stone because I think, yeah. I, I think, I think as Matt expressed uh, a little while ago, I had this big vision of, of, you know, we'll be away and it'll be dreadful. A, a bit like with sort of the whole situation in lockdown generally, we'll lockdown, it'll be awful, however long it has to last. And then magically we'll all emerge and we'll all have this wonderful moment where we see our families again. And it's like a fairy tale well, in no respects, I think we're all slowly realising, is it is it going to be like that? It's going to be incremental in stepping stones back to some kind of normality. Um, so if this strange Grand Slam is a stepping stone towards where we all want to be, then personally I'm here for it. Mm. Me too. Tennis, guys, tennis. <laughs> Professional tennis. No, we've only done 40, 40 tennis <laughs> podcasts without any tennis. David's basically gutted that his US Open relived plans are, uh, are on the back burner. Uh, only not, on the back burner, though. They're not really, because I have been thinking about that. Anyway, we've got a lot of thinking to do of how we're going to do US Open dailies on UK time. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out. That will be we'll fine. figure it out, folks. <laughs> Somehow, um, David looks worryingly gleeful about that prospect. He's like, my big opportunity to to legitimately not sleep. Um, and any other business? Anyone? No, I don't think so. No. I thought we'd done any other business. No, well, we had, but there was other business. So I felt like I oh. should give do one last sweep. Uh, well, we're going to be back. Uh, at the weekend with yes, I know. I was, a, uh, heck, what? something else. What is it? <laughs> I'm steering this ship, David. Oh yeah, I forgot. Go on, carry on. However, I hang on as I was as I was getting up a tea with you. Then I realised I actually didn't know what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> so could you could you help me steer the ship? What are right. we doing at the weekend? We're doing uh, Queen's Relived. <laughs> We're doing our own personal Queen's Relived. Great. Um, so we'll be looking. We'll Did be I know that? I don't know. <laughs> well, we're doing it. Uh, we'll be looking back on last year's incredible um, story with Lopez and Murray and talking to those people and, yeah, having all that. Uh, and then and then it's Wimbledon Relived Dailies. David lent in as he said that. He, he, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait <laughs> um yes so queens relived at the weekend and then we start with the wimbledon relived dailies a week monday yeah bring it yeah schedule <laughs> to be announced soon 
schedule yes. soon to be announced, but um, I'm, I'm going to stitch this up here. I I don't think people will be disappointed. It's yeah. good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. If we mess that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we mess up Wimbledon. <laughs> I mean, you should have, um, we, we had a two-hour call arguing about what should be in it. Yeah. Because we, we, yeah. we, we haven't to leave Which out matches. Which concluded with David persuading us to ditch Middle Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I love Middle uh, Sunday. It's one of my favourite days. We are always all so on brand. Yeah. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for letting me present this thing, David, and letting it go on for an hour and 21 minutes. <laughs> Shout out to Patrick at half past ten. Shout out to Patrick, our editor. Thank you very much for sticking with this thing. Shout out to anyone that's still listening after an hour and 21 minutes. Uh, I've enjoyed it. Um, It's it's been a joy to have actual tennis news to talk about for an hour and 21 minutes. So uh, thank you, Matt. Thank you, David. Thank you to all our mascots and tennis podcast pets. and uh, thank you for listening and thank you to everyone that sends in sends us messages i know we keep saying it um but honestly they mean they mean so much um they're really they're really keeping us all going so so thank you for that thank you for your support thank you for listening we'll be back at the weekend with apparently queens relived 